It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we-just-hit-a-million-orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash specialoffer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash specialoffer. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. It's time for the view from the opposition, and it's the big one, Sunderland versus Newcastle United. In the third round of the FA Cup of course takes place at the Stage of Malight on Saturday at 12.45 kickoff. I'm joined by my colleague James Hunter, who has covered Sunderland since 1999. Let's welcome into the studio. James, Happy New Year. I hope you've had a good one. Happy New Year to you, Andrew. Yes. Thank you very much. Are you looking forward to this weekend? Um, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's going to be quite interesting. I was just totting up there. I, was, I didn't realise that this will be my 27th uh, Dimeweir Derby um, covering, which is uh, just a staggering number. I'm amazed it's that many. That is quite the number, isn't it? And you, uh, given the record, I say of late, I mean, the last one was 2016, uh, but Sunderland do come into this with a really good record in this fixture, which, given Newcastle's form of late, probably doesn't help the nerves at all. Um, what are the nerves? What, what is the feeling, do you think, inside the Sunderland camp at the moment? Because obviously with the change of manager, he's not been in too long what was it I think his first game was the 18th of December so not long at all what is the the feeling within the camp about this game because this is a big game to come upon the horizon that quickly for a new manager isn't it it is yeah um it's a it's a you know very eagerly anticipated game I think um by by people on on wayside I think uh, there's two distinct um sides to it there's there's certainly the the view from within the dressing room and then of course there's the the view on the terraces from from the fans, um, obviously, fans have, have been here before. They they remember that sequence of games that you've alluded to. You know, in more recent times, you know, dating back to uh, 2011. Um, whereas the players, um, you know, none of them have been involved in in derby games or in, in certainly in, in time weird derby games uh, before. Um, and nor has Michael Beale. Lived possibly been involved in other derbies elsewhere, but uh, nothing quite like the atmosphere that's going to uh, greet them at the Stadium of Light uh, on Saturday lunchtime. Mm, you mentioned Michael Beale's kind of history there. Obviously, he was involved uh, with Rangers in the old firm, and that is a ferocious derby. The atmosphere is always uh, feisty there. I mean, the recent one, uh, Rangers weren't allowed into the, the, the Celtic ground. Do you think 
experiencing a derby like that will set them in good stead for what is to come on Saturday, or are they just each derby is different? So is as ferocious as that one is up in Scotland, you know, this is a totally uh, different ball game, so to speak. I think if you've been involved in in the old firm games, um, you know, you've experienced a big derby, you've seen the big big derby atmosphere. I think that probably there's a natural inclination, particularly from someone from outside the area like Michael, to think, well, this is going to be a big derby, but it won't be anything like uh, Rangers-Celtic. It will be, you know, it'll be a big derby by its own standards, but it won't be like Rangers and Celtic. And if that is the perception, I think that uh, he'll quickly realise that that's not the case. I think uh, everybody that's that's attended a um, a, a derby fixture up here, either on Wayside or on Tyneside, knows that uh, the atmosphere is the equal of, of any derby fixture anywhere. Um, it'll be every bit as intense as as an old firm game or a, you know, Barcelona Real Madrid or whatever derby game you you, you care to mention. You know, uh, anywhere. So I think that um, you know, it will help him to have had that experience el- elsewhere. Um, the big question is how how it will affect the um, the players themselves. Obviously, Sunderland have got a very young team, um, so they haven't really they haven't got the ex- the experience to. Um, to be frightened of, of an occasion like this. Um, I'm, I don't know off the top of my head whether there are any players in the Newcastle team that uh, that were uh, still playing in, in 2016. I'm, I, I can't remember. You'll know that better than me. Um, but certainly none of the Sunderland uh, team were here last time out. So it's a, it's a complete new experience for them. Maybe Jamal Sales and Paul Dummett, perhaps, I would think, were probably the only two yeah. uh, still around. But it's interesting that you mentioned that you know managers can't underestimate the feeling when it comes to this fixture. Your first time we had Derby, a weird time Derby for yourself, was that the Rude Hullet one, when he did indeed underestimate what it meant to the to the region? It was, yeah. It was, uh, you know, very, it was a seismic occasion wasn't it um, on both sides of the divide? Obviously, it was the uh, the the one in pouring rain at St James's Park. Alan Shearer on on the bench for Newcastle. I think it was Rude Hullet's last game in charge. If I remember rightly, I think he uh, he departed either the next day or two days after. I can't just remember which. Um, and from Sunderland's point of view, Sunderland had just been promoted back to the Premier League then, um, and it was uh, very much a case of them, you know, giving. Newcastle a, a bloody nose. I think it was August, despite the downpour. It was only in August, um, you know, and it was a, a very early sort of statement of in, intent from Sunderland. So it did have big uh, uh, effects on on both sides of the the divide. But that, yes, that was the first one that I covered. Yeah, there were the infamous quotes from Hullet in the build-up where he played down the feeling of the derby. He, he referenced the Milan derby and people working in the same city and why that was more of a derby than, than this one. And that obviously backfired hugely when Newcastle lost that game. How then does Michael Beale make sure, James, that he doesn't fall into the same trap, that he doesn't underestimate the, the feeling of this fixture? Um, that's a very good question. And the reason why I say it's a very good question is because um, Michael Beale is so new here at, at Sunderland. Um, nobody knows him particularly well yet. We don't know him as a character. I've only seen him in a handful of um, press conferences and press briefings so far. Um, so I don't have um, a great idea of exactly how he will um, approach this. I'm due to see him later later today. We're talking on Wednesday. I'm due to see him le- later today. To, so I might have a better flavour of it then. Um, but I think he, he will know from, from that old firm fixture that, that you can't underestimate the, these Derby fixtures, that they, that they are all important to fans. I mean, I know, of course, both 
Newcastle and Sunderland, the rational side of, you, of your brain will will tell you as a Newcastle or a Sunderland fan that what's important is the Premier League in Newcastle's case and, and competing for, for Europe, um, European qualification, whereas for Sunderland it's trying to win promotion by hook or by crook to, to the Premier League um, in the Championship. Um, but football isn't a rational business um, and we all know that um, the Derby game this game will take centre stage, and at least in the in the short term, this will be the the game that everybody um, is consumed by, uh, and all thoughts of European qualification, promotion, whatever else it might be, is on the back burner until this is, is well out, well in the rearview mirror. Um, of course, come the end of the season, the the derby will be you know uh, as I say firmly in the rearview mirror. People will move on to other things, but for now, at least, it's it's absolutely pivotal in both teams' seasons. Um, as you say, Newcastle coming in t- into this game on the back of a of a poor run in in the Premier League, um, and a derby defeat would be uh, you know a, a real kick in the teeth from Sunderland's point of view. Sunderland are underdogs underdogs coming into this fixture. They're not expected to be um, a top-half Premier League team. Um, so in that sense, there's not that kind of pressure on them. But of course, there's a pressure because of the opposition and the fact that they have to give a good account of themselves. Um, and uh, and they do feel that given the, the struggles that Newcastle have had most recently, this is a good time to play Newcastle. But that doesn't mean any more than, than that, does it? You know, As we all know, um, th- these games rarely go according to, to plan or according to expectation. Hmm. Do, do you think the fact that no one expects Sunderland to, to pick up victory on Saturday, does that play into their hands slightly more and maybe puts pressure on Newcastle because they are expected to, to be the, vic- the, the the ones who win? Um, well, I think it's certainly true that, that Newcastle will be the ones that are expected to win. Uh, they will come into it as, as the favourites and they will have that additional pressure on them. Um, but as I say, Sunderland know that... You know, Derby games, Derby games are, are, are very difficult um, to to judge. They're very difficult to get a handle on because all the usual rules go out go out of the window um, as far as where the pressure is. And you know, so, you know you, we might say, well, Newcastle are the Premier League team and therefore they're the favourites. But on the other hand, Sunderland are at home, um, and so you know they will have that expectation from their fans. They won't be able to just sit back and and try to absorb pressure. Uh, and also, it's a it's a cup tie. There's there's nothing to be gained from playing for a draw, really. Um, you know, Sunderland might say, well, you know, there's a, um, uh, the, the, you know, there's there's some kind of moral victory in taking a Premier League team um, to a to a replay, but uh, not in not when it comes to a derby and not when it comes to this, because there's going to have to be a winner one way or another in in the tie, whether it's uh, Saturday or in any replay. Hmm. I guess the thing that really counts in these sort of games is the is the fight and the desire, isn't it? It's about who wants it more, you know, the form and to a certain degree, the ability of the players kind of goes out of the window. It's about who's going to go that extra yard. It's about who's going to go into that challenge with a, a bit more firmness. Now, against Nottingham Forest and against Luton, that was lacking from Newcastle. It was two abysmal displays from Newcastle and the most worrying thing was that lack of fight. Do Sunderland have that? Can Sunderland match it if Newcastle bring it to the table on Saturday? Uh, yeah, I mean, Sunderland's strength is is not the the physical, powerful, aggressive side of the game. Sunderland are a very technical team. They're a they're a very good passing team. They're a very good, um, you know, quite creative 
team, uh, albeit they've had trouble in, in recent times in actually putting away chances. Um, that they, they do, you know, they, they are quite creative in the final third with Jack Clark and and I don't know whether he'll be fit on Saturday, but Patrick Roberts normally um, and Alex Pritchard, of course, players such as those. Um, when it comes to the the uh, aggression and desire, um, Sunderland and Newcastle they both have to show that. That's a that's a an absolute minimum for, for, for both teams in, in a derby game. You can't, um, if you don't show those those basic qualities, then uh, you're on a hiding to nothing and, and fans won't accept it. They will be on your case and rightly so, because if you don't have that kind of um, uh, desire and will to, to win in a derby game, then when are you going to show it? Hmm, that, that, very true. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. And we, we mentioned there the form of, of Newcastle. It's, it's not been great of late. Uh, many games they've lost and their way record is awful. Their FA Cup record is even worse as well. Although looking back at Sunderland's FA Cup record, it's not, it's not uh, too great either. But do you think Michael Beale will look at Newcastle's recent performances and see where they can be targeted and where they can be hit, i.e., the left side of Newcastle, if it's Dan Byrne, that seems to be where the oppositions have been targeting recently. And then in midfield, if, when Newcastle go forward, they are awful uh, on the transition. They can't stop teams from countering. Does that uh, appeal to Michael Beale in, in maybe his approach to Saturday, do you think? I think it, I think that will be something that, that he's looked at. I mean, I have to say that um, uh, in recent times, Sunderland have seemed, to my eyes, to, to have... Uh, Given a greater emphasis to preparation um, than any other time in my uh, in my nearly quarter of a century covering the club, it's uh, it's now a huge part of what they do. The amount of uh, background research and and what have you that's, that goes on ahead of every game. I think in common with all teams, I think all teams pay much more attention to uh, to what their opponents do than uh, than they did you know fifteen twenty years ago. Um, but it will have been something that, that's come to Michael Beale's attention. It will be something that, uh, that he's looked at and, and concentrated on. Um, and I think that that's what Sunderland um, will have to do. They'll have to look at the areas where they can hurt Newcastle. That They can't 
turn it into a straight fight, I don't think, because obviously Newcastle have got Premier League quality players um, and Sunderland do have some Premier League quality players, but not all, not a full team full of them. Um, or else they'd be in the Premier League. Um, but uh, but yeah, so um, so there's going to have to be a, a case of, of trying to find a way. It was, a, it was actually a phrase that uh, Tony Mowbray was a big fan of, having to find a way. If, you do, if you're not able to uh, compete on perfectly equal terms, then, then you have to find a way to, to bridge the gap and that will be what Michael Beale has to do. So whether that, whether that's, that, that could be increased desire. Sometimes you can play a better team than you, but you show more physical desire. You run harder, you run faster, you you know, you put in more challenges. Um, the, you can do it tactically, you can do it in team shape. There are various different ways, but there are, you know, that you have to find a way of, of bridging the gap between the sides. Given Beal's been in the job such a short space of time, have you seen enough to kind of say this is his approach on the pitch? You know, I as you mentioned just before, they seem to be passing the ball about a lot more, a bit better. But then I guess your answer to that question might be slightly skewed by the fact that it is a derby and it's a different kind of a, a, a approach maybe needed against a, a quality Premier League side. Um, I don't think that we've seen much of, if you like, the Michael Beale way. Um, and there's very good reason for that. It's because um, the busy Christmas period is, um, uh, you know, has, has come four games in 10 days. Was it something like that? I think. Um, so Michael Beale had, I think three days to work with the players when he first came in. Then you have the, the four games in 10 days over Christmas. So there's been very little time for him to work on the training ground with the players. So to a large, large degree, he's been picking up the reins from where Tony Mowbray left off. And that's not a bad thing because, you know, don't forget, you know, Tony Mowbray was sacked, but he wasn't sacked because of bad results. He wasn't sacked because performances were bad. He wasn't sacked because, um, you know, things were going drastically wrong. He was, he was sacked for, for other reasons. Um, so it's not as though Michael Beale came into a failing team and a failing football club um, he, he came into a you know a pretty good situation a very good situation um, and so it, there hasn't been a lot that needed changing it's not like I know for sake of argument somebody comes into Birmingham to replace Wayne Rooney they're going to have to make big changes because everything's going wrong there um, that's not the case at Sunderland when Michael Beale came in he was a, he has been able to to let things tick along and he will get the chance to put his stamp on on the team um, but that will come you know in, in the coming weeks um, and months ahead but also I think that, that Sunderland's model to use the the phrase that they like they like to use within the, the club um, they they picked a coach that fits the current um, the current situation. Someone someone that does fit in. Then they're not looking for a radical change. Uh, they were looking for someone that could make you know an incremental improvement. Now, obviously, the reception Michael Beale got in his first game that defeat to Coventry, chance for Tony Mowbray. It, you know, it wasn't a good atmosphere. Obviously, the results have have improved since then. Two wins and and a draw. Have has it improved so much that? If Sunderland lose on Saturday, yes, it'll be disappointing. Yes, of course, you don't want to lose the game, but you know it, it, it won't impact him too much in the long term. He like you know he's not going to suddenly find himself under a lot of pressure from the fans for losing the derby, as you know, as much as it will be disappointing to do so. Yeah, so I think um, it, it won't be a defining game for for Michael Beale. I think that um, you know that said, there are ways to lose a derby game. If you lose by the odd goal or 1-0 or 2-0, that's one thing. When you're in different divisions like Sunderland and Newcastle are, 
Uh, I think, of course, if you suffer an embarrassing defeat, if you if you suffer a heavy defeat at home, well, that's more difficult to come back from. Um, but it's not a it won't be a defining moment because it's so early in his reign, because there's a division between the two teams, um, because it's in the cup. You know, it's uh, all these are extra um, factors to to consider. Um, so yeah, it, it doesn't have that kind of pressure on. I think possibly um, we spoked about about pressure a bit earlier on. I think in in many ways it's it's Eddie Howe that will find himself in that situation, given the run of results that he's in. Even though um, you know, as, as, as I'm you know, I'm sure you'd agree, you know, Eddie Howe's done a, a wonderful job at Newcastle in his, his his time there and and the changes that he's brought and the way that he's lifted the club. We know that in football you only need a few few results and suddenly things change very quickly on on you. The weather changes, particularly with the ambition that Newcastle have to and where they want to be. Um, you know, it, it's a, it's an extra additional pressure. Michael Beale doesn't have that pressure. This is a this is a game that obviously Sunderland want to win. Obviously, um, you know, defeat is is. Uh, is I won't say a nightmare or a disaster. De- defeat is, you know very, very heavily felt by, by any team in, in, in a derby. Um, but it won't knock Sunderland out of their, their overall arc, which is to try and get back towards the Premier League. Hmm. I mean, you mentioned there that the, the, the Eddie Howe pressure potentially. It, it feels like this fixture is a bit like the Carabao Cup final last season. It's come at the total wrong time because Newcastle's forms dropped off so badly and Newcastle went on to lose that game. I think if it had come... Bit earlier in the season, and obviously Derry Cup was always in January. But you, I think people get my point. You're feeling a, a little more confident about this game, but given the results of late and the games have lost their away records, I think there was a lot of nerves on Tyne's side. You mentioned there, James, uh, the owners. I mean, this is the first derby for both sets of owners because, of course, both clubs have gone through change of ownership. What do you think the owners at Sunderland are feeling about this game? Um, that's a good question. Um, I think obviously, you know, Kira Louis Dreyfus being, being the owner at Sunderland now and, and Juan Sartori, the uh, Uruguayan businessman. Um, uh, this is a sort of unknown, uh, uncharted territory for, for, for them. Uh, again, they both come to it from, um, from a different background. Um, you know, the Louis Dreyfus family are, are a very big name in, in French football um, through uh, Kirill's father and his, his time at Marseille so um, you know he, he understands what, what what derbies are all about um, in a French con- context um, I think uh, I think probably Marseille and, and PSG you know there's a pretty fierce rivalry there but uh, um, I think I think we'd all agree that it, it would pale in, in comparison to to what we what we'll see on on Saturday and in previous derby games between uh, Newcastle and Sunderland um, they know that, uh, that that derby games are, are, are incredibly important fixtures. It, um, it dictates um, fans' mood, um, and, I, and like I say, they're they're in a situation where um, a defeat in the derby is is always unwelcome. It's not unforgivable uh, in Sunderland's situation, given the you know the the fact that there's a division between the two sides um as long as they, they you know they they play the game the right way as long as the fans can see that the, their team have left absolutely nothing uh out on the pitch that everything everything is in there um and and Sunderland Sunderland do feel that they've, they've got a chance in in this game you know the FA the FA Cup is famous for shocks it's third round round day 
Um, Sunderland were the underdog. They've got a great record against Newcastle in, in recent times. Um, you know, they can even look back. I mean, even I wasn't covering the club uh, last time they met in the FA Cup. I mean, it was March 1956. Uh, you'd have to be, you'd have to be probably 75 going on 80 if you if you remember that game. Um, but yes, yeah, Sunderland uh, won the last time the two sides met in the FA Cup. Uh, Newcastle were the holders uh, back then. Um, so, so you know, funny things can happen in in the FA Cup. It'll be it'll be very interesting to see how this one works out at the weekend. Certainly will be, and both owners will want to win the first derby of, of their era. Uh, we mentioned there the record Sunderland unbeaten in the last nine derbies. Of course, the last one was 2016, which was a draw. Uh, they did win, is it? I think it's five in a row, isn't it? Newcastle six, last one. Six, six, six in a row. They, they six, won, sorry, yeah. I can't read my writing. Uh, <laughs> six in a row. Newcastle last one. It's just wishful and, thinking, actually, Andrew. I think that's just wishful thinking. And... <laughs> yeah, just letting the listeners feel a little bit better about the record. Newcastle last one in 2011. But then the FA Cup uh, records, as I've mentioned there, uh, you go back to 2013-14. That was when Sunderland made it to the sixth round of the uh, FA Cup. So, you know, since then, it's not been a good record for them. And equally for, for Newcastle, you know, they made it to the quarterfinal in 2019-20. But then you've got to go back to 2005-2006 uh, to see them in the, in the sixth round. And, and since then, it's been pretty much the third and fourth round, the fourth round of their lucky um, that they've yeah. gone out in. So, yeah, the records aren't great in, in, in the FA Cup. So that'll, that'll play its part. Let's talk about the atmosphere, James, that we're going to expect on on Saturday, because I've seen on social media, and you'll be able to tell me if this is kind of the feeling away from uh, the good old internet. Obviously, Newcastle are taking uh, quite a few thousand to uh, the Stadium of Light, and that's meant that some Sunderland fans have been displaced. That hasn't gone down particularly well, like I say, on, on Twitter. Is that the feeling on the, on the ground as well? And, and what kind of impact does that have going into this game, do you think? Um, I don't know what kind of impact it will have on on this game. I think it will probably be um, be set to one side for the duration of the match. But it's certainly gone down like a lead balloon, as you'd expect. And on on we're side, the actual fact of of home fans being displaced um, at the Coventry game, which was Michael Beale's first game in charge, there were um, there were banners at both ends of the the ground um, uh, protesting about the. Um, the number of, of seats, or maybe not not so much. Well, partly the number, but more so the fact that the home fans were being displaced. Uh, um, you know, saying that the that the home end or one of the home ends was being handed over, and um, that uh, the, the club should be ashamed of, of that. And and also one uh, relating to the price of corporate tickets for um, uh, the revenue that, uh, that that would bring in. Um, so yeah, it's gone down like a, a lead balloon. There's a lot of very unhappy Sunderland fans, uh, unhappy Sunderland fans that I know that have been moved season ticket holders as a result of this. Um, I understand why it's been done. Um, it's been done for, for safety reasons, of course. Um, it's all right having uh, away fans up in the very far um, top corner of the, the North Stand. Um, but there's been a constant problem with other teams um, coming to the Stadium of Light with objects being thrown from the top tier onto the Sunderland fans down below. Um, clearly, the safety people thought that that was, you know, an unacceptable risk, and it was safer to have, um, you know, um, 
uh, away fans on both the top and bottom tier at, at that end. And also, of course, uh, under the FA Cup rules, um, Newcastle were entitled to ask for uh, for more tickets than uh, than for a league game. So that had to be accommodated too. Um, but yes, it's uh, it's certainly a decision that Sunderland fans are not happy with and it, it created the atmosphere in that Coventry game um, before Christmas, which was Michael Beale's first game in charge. It all... Um, Along with a three-nil defeat in, in that match, it, that that all uh, led to to a pretty uh, sour atmosphere that day. It wasn't much of a welcome for Michael Beale. Um, it could, have, you know, obviously if Sunderland had beaten Coventry, it would have, uh, it, you know, it would have been um, put to one side. But uh, but in the context of the three-nil home home defeat with a new manager having just parted company with um, with a popular previous manager in Tony Mowbray, uh, Sunderland fans were not happy. Do you think that atmosphere? I mean, obviously, I mean, you've said there that you don't think it'll it'll impact the game. I mean, I think what it'll do is it'll probably make for an even better atmosphere in many ways because you've got more fans from the opposition in. I mean, you watched that Celtic Rangers game over the weekend. Obviously, it was it was all Celtic, and it, it, it you know you, you understand the reasons why you know the the way fans weren't allowed in. I think there was a disagreement over over ticketing and what have you, but it it just removes some sort of element from a derby. So maybe having a few more Newcastle United fans in will ramp the atmosphere up even more. But I, I suspect, James, you're expecting the home fans to to give everything on, on Saturday. Oh, yeah, of course. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a sold-out game. Um, it's the first derby in, uh, you know, nearly eight years. So um, it's, it's a huge attraction. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a really wild and, and raucous occasion. And, you know, uh, let's hope that everybody, uh, you know, keeps their heads and, uh, and, and behaves themselves, you know, Enjoy yourselves, have a good time, enjoy the game, but let's not do anything daft. Uh, um, but yeah, it's it, it's going to be it's going to be some occasion, and it's one that you know I'm really looking forward to. Yeah, I mean, Newcastle United fans are getting the coach about eight o'clock, so they're going to have to be in the stadium light for a wee while before they see any action. Um, let's just talk about the, the the key player for Sunderland, James. And if you're sitting down with Eddie Howe and you're going through the secrets of Sunderland. Who is the one player you're saying, Eddie Howe, you're going to have to keep him quiet on Saturday? Uh, yeah, well, um, if you were going to pick out one individual player, <clears throat> there are probably two or three that you could you, that you could look at, but the the obvious choice is, is going to be Jack Clark um, on the left wing. He's Sunderland's uh, star man this season. He's been um, tracked. He was tracked by Premier League teams uh, in the summer. He's, he'll be uh, no doubt uh, the subject of interest again this month. Um, he's been absolutely outstanding. He's scored, I think, twelve goals now. Um, a few assists chucked in there as as well. Uh, he's the one, and he's the one that Sunderland look to. Um, you know, if if they can't find a way, then what they do is give the ball to Jack Clark out wide on the left, and um, and he can usually cut in or uh, or get around the outside and produce crosses. He, you know, he's proved himself to be an absolutely terrific signing. Um, arriving from Spurs, um, and uh, yeah, he's he's been the star of the show. There are other people involved too. Um, of course, it's not a one-man team, uh, as I mentioned to you earlier. I don't know whether he'll play in this game because he did limp off um, at uh, Rotherham uh, on Friday night. Um, it's Patrick Roberts, phenomenally talented footballer, um, came from Manchester City. You know, he's on the opposite side on the right flank. Um, you know he's absolute uh, wizard with the the ball at his feet. Um, he's somebody else that Newcastle would have to watch out for if he plays. Um, and the one I think that when when he starts makes the team tick is um, Alex Pritchard. 
and experienced, older head. Um, he's creative. He's brilliant at set pieces. Um, and some of them just look a much better team when when he's in the side. Hmm. No, it was Pritchard that scored uh, a long range effort against Preston, wasn't it? If I'm it right was, yeah, that. yeah, it was um, a long range sort of uh, dipping effort um, that uh, Freddie Woodman, someone that Newcastle fans all, all know, um, yeah, couldn't uh, couldn't get near to. It's a fabulous strike. Um, that was his his return to the starting starting lineup after a, a few games on the bench. So a bit of a warning there for Newcastle, maybe not to, to back off. And of course, if Pat Roberts plays, he has played for Celtic, although I think that was maybe during the time Rangers were up and down the league. So I'm not sure if he's experienced in old firm Derby, um, but he's, he's, he's a man who's, who's, who's obviously played for one of the biggest clubs in, in Europe. If um, you were talking, Eddie Howe, about the strength, the main strength of, of Sunderland, what would you be telling them? Um Probably, uh, as I, as I mentioned there, it will be uh, out on the flanks, out out on the flanks. Clark and Clark and if he plays Roberts, uh, you know that's where Sunderland are at the best. Get the ball out wide. Um, that seems to to be their their main route to goal. Of course, Sunderland's biggest problem, famously, has been that um, they've had so few goals from strikers um, uh, this season. That's been a real bugbear. Um, the, the duck was finally broken um, against Preston on New Year's Day, Nazari Rusin. Um, but up to that point, in the 25 previous games, um, Sunderland's four strikers that they signed in the summer hadn't scored a goal between them. Um, and so all the goals that Sunderland had scored had had to come from elsewhere. Jack Clark leading the way, as I say, with, uh, with a dozen goals. So for Sunderland to be where they are at this stage, with just one goal from their, their strikers is quite an achievement in itself, um, but it shows that um, that their their, uh, their wide players have, have really contributed, um, you know, and been a, a part of it, and and they are a good source of goals as well as service. So, would you say the lack of goals from their forward men is probably their biggest weakness then, or is there something else that Newcastle can exploit? It certainly has been their biggest weakness. <clears throat> now, I, I don't know. It depends It depends whether you think that it's a good thing that Nazari Rusin has broken that in the last game or not. Um, there's an argument, isn't there, that every game you don't score makes it more likely you're going to score in the next. I remember talking many years ago to Malcolm McDonald about that. Um, yeah, you know, So you might say, well, you know, the longer the Barron run went on, the, you know, the more Newcastle should be worried about it. Or does the fact that Nazri Rusin has got this goal, meaning that he'll he'll come into this game, assuming he starts. Uh, I would imagine he will. Um, does it mean that uh, that he comes in with a re- refreshed, renewed confidence and without that particular millstone um, around his neck? It's hard to know. It's like so many of these things with football, isn't it? You can put a case for and a case against. Um, so yeah, it's it's very difficult to to know exactly how that uh, uh, how that will pan out. Well, from a Newcastle point of view, when we're talking strikers, frustratingly, but probably not surprisingly, Callum Wilson is out of this game, set to miss at least the next two games, which is, is massively frustrating because this is the kind of game where he would just absolutely come into his own. And, you know, you want your number nine leading the line. As good as Alexander Izak is, I would start Callum Wilson if fit. But again, we're talking about Wilson missing important games. And um, I mean, that's a conversation for, for another podcast. Um, Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? 
Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. But in terms of Newcastle, James, is there a player that you think Sunderland or, well, yourself for, for, to begin with, is most looking forward to seeing or fearing might be a better a better question? Is there someone that stands out from a Newcastle point of view that you're thinking, oh, goodness me, he's the one that could turn this game in Newcastle's favour? Um, well, I guess there are, there are two that spring immediately to mind. I mean, one you've just mentioned, you know, Alexander Isaac, you know, he... Um, I, Obviously, I don't get to see much of, of Newcastle, as, as you can appreciate, um, with being being at games most of the time myself. But when I do see Newcastle on TV or on Match of the Day, um, you know he is he seems to be quite a you know a firecracker up front. He can you know he, he can uh, do wonderful things. Um, he's not always the most consistent player, um, but there again, uh, you can say that about so many forwards. Um, you know that they, they, they can do wonderful things, but. Uh, only the very, very best do it on a consistent basis. So I'm looking forward to seeing him, uh, him live, and also um, Anthony Gordon um, has something as well. Uh, he, he again, he's he's a, he's a very sort of typical, um, you know, left left winger, uh, often in and out of a game. But when he turns it on, you know, he, he's really got something. He, he's a little, it'll be quite fascinating to see on the same pitch. Um, him and Jack Clark, obviously they'll be on opposite sides, but both both left wingers, um, and uh, it'd be interesting to see how they how they compare and which of the two of them uh, has the greatest impact on the game. Hmm. Uh, Gordon, you know, is, will Kieran Trippier play? Do you know? Or, uh... He's got a groin injury, and and Eddie Howe wasn't committal on 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 his return. He said he was unsure. Um, so we wait and see. I mean, sometimes Eddie Howe says one thing and something else happens entirely. I, I mean, they'll be doing everything to get him back into the team. He hasn't had the best of form himself in recent weeks. Uh, but given you know the, the, the stature of the game, you would you would think he would be doing his utmost to, to be included. But again, you wouldn't want to rush him back if indeed it is a, a bad injury. Um, it's that but, I mean, I, between him and Clark on that side would be quite yeah. fascinating, I think. Yeah. Well, that would be the big question what happens there? I mean, you know. Tino Livermento play right back potentially, but then you've got the issue on the left-hand side. Dan Byrne had a shocker, unfortunately, yeah. in the last game. So maybe you play Tino Livermento on the left and you bring Emil Kraft in on the right if Trippier isn't fit. All the questions Eddie Howe has to answer. But Gordon, you mentioned there, wonderful cross against Liverpool for the Isaac school, but he's looking tired, he's looking knackered. So that might play into Sullen's hands. And, and just before I get your score prediction, James, I just want to ask you about because I, I, I admit I don't know too much about Sullen's squad, but in Newcastle's squad, Sean Longstaff, Dan Byrne, Lewis Miley, you know, players who understand, who've grown up watching uh, this fixture and now are living their dream playing this fixture. Then you've got, like I said, Jamal Lascelles, who, 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 who's been captain of Newcastle for, for many years. Paul Dummett's another one who knows what this game is all about. If Sunderland got those players in their squad who... Who, who who have kind of grown up watching this game and can tell the rest of the squad, this is why it means so much. This is why we have to go out and win on Saturday. 
Yeah, so there are a couple couple of players in the Sunderland squad that, that um, you know, are very much fall into that category. Um, there's Dan Neal, of course, in uh, in central midfield, um, academy product um, that's come through. He's now a key player in the side. I, I think he's from off the top of my head. I'm pretty sure he's played every game he's been available this season. I think he might have missed one through suspension, but the rest of them, um, you know, he's, uh, he's he started every game. Um, he, he South Shields born, so uh, so he knows all about it. Boyhood Sunderland fan, so this will be a dream occasion for for him to be involved in his first derby. Um, he obviously knows exactly what it means, and he'll be drumming it into the uh, to, to the other um, players from further afield and also from abroad, of course. Um, and the other being um, the goalkeeper Anthony Patterson, incredibly highly rated, um, been part of the England under twenty one setup um, last season, albeit. Um, his his age uh, um, meant that uh, um, you would think he would be too old to play for the under twenty one team, but uh, but he fitted in the, the category at that time. Um, uh, born in Washington, again come through the through the academy. He's another one off the sort of Sunderland goalkeeper production line after uh, you know Jordan Pickford. Um, uh, so you know he he knows all about it too. Uh, his first derby is his first um, derby too. So. Um, he'll be another one. Um, uh, I'd say of the two of them, I'd say that Dan is the louder and you know more you know more vocal presence in the dressing room. Anthony's more of a, a, a quiet guy, but the, but they they both understand what the fixture means. They've grown up. They've watched those these sequence of games that we've been talking about these uh, um, these nine uh, unbeaten games for for Sunderland and the six six wins. I don't know just how many of them you know how many of the, them. Uh, uh, they were at how many of those fixtures that they attended, um, but as Sunderland fans, I'm sure they will have seen some of them, um, and uh, you know they'll have certainly been following the others. Yeah, and I mean it's important, isn't it, that you've got those players to get the message out to the rest of the squad, but also a bit of a challenge you would imagine for the likes of, of Patterson and, and Lewis Smiley, and even an experienced player like Dan Byrne, not to let emotions get the better of you because this is the fixture. When you were starting out as a professional footballer, that you you, you would have wanted to play as a, as a boyhood Newcastle fan, a boyhood Sunderland fan, and it is an emotional day. You know, Jordan Pickford is a prime example of sometimes letting the emotion get the better of him, and it's going to be an, it's going to be interesting to see if everybody those players uh, particularly can, can keep the emotions in in check. Yeah, I mean, how many times do, have we you know gone through the derby build up and heard manager or somebody talk about you know playing the game and not the occasion. Um, you know, and, and it's, that's very much the the, the case. Um, and I think that's why um, uh, externally Sunderland are trying to um, uh, keep a low profile on the dive, keep a lid on things, not have have players uh, coming out shouting from the rooftops and you know this and that and the other. They want to you know keep it very focused. Keep you know, I'm sure that in house they've got their own own approach, but externally. Keeping a lid on things, not uh, not building the game up into too big an, an occasion, because um, it, it's at the end, you know, ultimately, crucially, at the end of the day, it's uh, you know it's a football match, and that is that's what matters. It's not the sort of the big occasion. You know, it's it's fine for us as journalists to to get wrapped up in fans, to get wrapped up in the occasion, um, but players need to remain focused on on the football. Go on then, James. Just just tell me then, as someone who's covered. So many Derby games, you know, first one in 1999. What does this fixture mean to you and, and, and to the region? 
Uh, wow. Um, yeah, well, to me, it's a strange one for, for me because, as, as, as you well know, I'm not from the region. Um, so, you know, t- to that end, I don't have a, a dog in the fight insofar as I'm, I, I didn't grow up a Sunderland or a Newcastle fan. Um, so I get to the I get to step back a little bit and, and see it a little bit more of a distance than than others do. Um, uh, but it's a, it's, it's a it's just amazing to see how it takes over the the whole region for a week or a fortnight. You think about you know the week long build up and then the week long aftermath. You know uh, of of a derby, it, it takes over everything. It's all anybody talks to you about everywhere I go. When I go to the petrol station, when I go to the cafe for a coffee on a morning, whatever, all I ever get is oh, derby's coming up. What do you think? What's going to happen? Who's going to play? You know, blah blah blah. It, it, it's everything. Um, and it means so much to people. And and just from my point of view, um, this, as I say, this will be my 27th um, uh, Derby game. And who knows how many, if any, I'll, I'll get to cover from here on in. Um, and, you know, they're, they're an immense, you know, pleasure and privilege to cover. They can be, uh, they can be desperately disappointing, miserable occasions. I remember Sunderland losing 5-1 at St. James's Park. Um, which was a pretty dark day uh, on Wayside, but then the counterbalance of the occasions, such as the, you know, the the two one and the pouring rain at St James's Park, the the sequence of six wins, you know, so they're such in, incredible occasions, and the, and they're they're freighted with such uh, such importance and such uh, such memories, um, you know, they the, they really are fabulous occasions, and 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 it, it's, as I say, it's a real privilege to be part of, and I, I think. Uh, I, I really appreciate it because um, because I am one half a step removed from it. I mean, my uh, I've got I've got family and friends who are you know mad king Sunderland fans, so I certainly get it second hand. Don't worry, I'm not sitting here thinking, oh, it's just another game, it's just another three points because I absolutely know it's not. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I would feel a fraud if I if I said that I, that I feel it in the same way that someone who grew up a Sunderland or a Newcastle fan did, um, because I just don't think that that you can have the same feeling. Um, but I think it's probably the next best thing. Mm. How is it going to go then on Saturday? What what is your score prediction? Well, I absolutely hate giving score predictions, uh, Moses. As I'm sure I've said to you many times in the past, so I think the only prediction that I, I intend to make is that neither Sunderland nor Newcastle will win the FA Cup. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that one, James. Thank you very much for popping onto the podcast and providing the insight into Sunderland ahead of that Thank FA you. Cup tie against Newcastle on Saturday. To you guys watching, please hit subscribe and give this video a thumbs up. To you guys listening, please uh, follow the podcast. Leave us a rating and review as well and head over to chroniclelive.co.uk where we will have both uh, press conferences from both managers ahead of the big game on Saturday and we'll have our live match coverage on Saturday through our dedicated match blogs as well. Thank you very much for tuning in. Enjoy the rest of the week.